Hello, and welcome to Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions, where every episode we talk about some scientific misconceptions we all have, and we hope that you learn something new about the world. I'm here with my co-host, Margaret, self-compassion, Hanslick Burton. And joining me is my co-host, Camden, a man after midnight, Hanslick Burton. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show! Our first segment every week is where we discuss something that we are excited about. Margaret, what are you excited about? Um, something I'm excited about. Can I sneak in two real quick things? I'm uh, going to. Fine. I'm going to do it. So I am um, trying to channel my angst and stress and anxiety about just the state of the world into action. And so one of those things I have done is been sending letters to potential voters through this great organization called Vote Forward. You um, volunteer to send letters encouraging people to vote, not for a particular candidate, just encouraging them to get out to vote. And uh, you can do that for folks all across the country. Again, that's called Vote Forward. And then do you know what else I'm going to say I'm excited about? It's the thing I talk about all the time. Is it fall? I mean, it is fall. But what happened... I'll just say it. Great British Bake Off has returned to our screens, to our hearts, to our minds, to our ovens. Cameron's falling asleep. Uh, you love this show. We were I watching it. I do love it. this show. I just, I feel like you <laughs> commandeer mm-hmm. our show mm-hmm. to talk about what you really want to talk about, which is the Great British Bake Off. If it doesn't come in, what are we consuming? I think avid listeners will know that about. I don't talk about it that much. Avid listeners have never... <laughs> ever heard you not mention it once (laughs) incorrect that is a misconception anyway it's back it's on netflix it's amazing i miss sandy but um it's it's still really really good what are you on your other favorite show she's on my other one of my other favorite shows qi that's right uh thanks to the person who puts those episodes on youtube don't you're gonna lose your (laughs) access now um what are you excited about um well this week something cool happened i submitted my first paper yay. to a journal for peer review yay um as a lead author as a lead author very exciting um it it has always been something on my bucket list mm-hmm. as a scientist and science educator and science communicator i never really was quite sure when it would happen mm-hmm. but i'm very excited that it is it'll take probably a month or so for the peer review process to go through and see what our feedback is but it, i'm trying to celebrate the process and not just the outcome yeah which is something i used to tell students a lot mm-hmm. it's okay to be happy for something you have tried um so that's why i'm happy for this week yeah i'm so excited for you for that that's really really exciting yeah. um and there's a lot of uh team teamwork that went into mm-hmm. it. a lot of collaboration mm-hmm. very excited for my partners and colleagues yeah um but yeah well We'll see. Yeah, I'm really, really proud of you. So I'm really excited also about this next segment. It's my turn to do our segment. What's that sound? Camden, hit the theme song. Well, you're walking down the street so and let's then get there's to a sound the... and you hear that sound and then there's more sound. Oh, C- cut me off. Oh, I tried. <laughs> you're just singing the Beverly Hillbillies over there. So, oh, we're going to get sued. No. So, What's That Sound is a segment where we keep with the spirit of the show, meaning that one of us researches something the other doesn't know about. And I have found a sound that you don't know, Camden, I'm assuming. And I'm going to play it, and you have to tell me what you think it is. So I will do a quick warning. Um, for those at home, you might want to turn your headphones down just a little bit because it's going to be loud. And uh, it's October, so it's going to be a little bit spooky. Spooky, ooky. All right. You ready? Yep. Okay, I'm going to bring it real close to the mic. I'm very scared. Yeah, you might want to turn your headphones down too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so loud. Oh, no. <laughs> Could you hear it? So what, what do you think? What do you think that was? Well, I'm assuming you haven't broken some sort of weird 
unspoken rules of our podcast mm-hmm. and played something terrible for me. So <laughs> I'm also going to go with the gist of this segment, which mm-hmm. is it is a natural sound. Yep. And by that, I'm, I mean, it's not a human screaming, which is That's what correct. I am it most is not afraid a human of it screaming. Being. It is not a human screaming. Um, I, you know, I, have you heard sounds like it before that aren't human? Are screaming? banshees real? Uh, no, ah, no, then, Mis- big misconception. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Do you want a like, hint? Yeah, like a bat. No. What? What's the hint? Oh, I was. I, I, you're close with bat. I don't want to okay. give you an, a hint beyond that. Can I hear it one more time? You may. Okay. <clears throat> Let's rewind. Turn down it. your volume. Turn down you your are. volume again. <laughs> Man, it sounds mm-hmm. like a thing I've heard before. I don't remember Sorry. clearly what it is. What is it? So, first of all, thank you to the to Audubon for that um, audio clip. It is a barn owl. Oh, that is how a barn owl sounds like man. someone screaming. Yikes! Um, it is eerie how similar that sounds to a human yeah, person I, screaming. If it wasn't the segment, I would have assumed it's just you should like people should reuse that sound for horror right. movies, all kinds of things. Um, but a barn owl, one of my favorite birds. I love mm-hmm. all owls so much. They're found in many parts of the U.S. and on six continents as well. Some people are superstitious about them because they, I guess, sort of have a spooky look to them and they sound like that. Um, but they're Farmers' friends, they're very valued by farmers because barn owls roost in barns and they prey on common pests like rats and mice. So they're really, really good to have around. They Even only if they live do in sound barns? a little bit spooky. No, they don't just live in barns. Oh, okay. Um, they'll live other places too, but you can find them in a barn. Like a metropolitan sky rise is their natural enemy. I, I would think they have other enemies besides that. <laughs> um, loneliness. Like all of us. Yeah, dread. Um, anyway, that's What's That Sound? Thanks. Well, you're walking down the street. What's our next segment, Camden? Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome to the main <laughs> segment of the show, The Misconceptions. Every week, we'll each bring a new scientific misconception to share, explain, and discuss. As a note, as always, each co-host researches their misconception on their own and brings it to the show. The other co-host has not heard it. This is to make it feel more like a discussion where the other person doesn't feel like they need to prepare anything and can learn at the same time alongside yourself, the listener. Margaret, what yep. are you doing? So we... Um, we Margaret just, is bringing down a very big book from our bookshelf. Well, it's right behind me. It's um, Hamilton, The Revolution. Um, it's the book about Hamilton. But usually... Oh, are there not page numbers? We um, A book without page numbers? Oh, here we go. Okay, so we we have a certain different... We always say we're going to flip a coin. We never have a coin. So I thought, I'm going to open this book to a random page. And you chose the biggest book on the bookshelf. Well, that's the one I could most easily read mm. or reach. Um, so do you want even numbers or odd numbers to go first, Camden? Like, are you going to pick even or odds? Uh, uh, odd. Okay, ready? It is odd. Page <sighs> 259. Oh, my God. My second favorite number. So- <laughs> So you get to go first. Go for it. I'm going to let you put that book down. I did. There you go. All right. Here we go. Okay. Margaret. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. When do you yawn? A lot, I would say. Um, When I'm needing more oxygen, I would say. So when do you yawn? When my body senses that I need more oxygen. Such as? When? Do you want me to say when I'm tired? Is that what you want? I I don't know. When do I need more oxygen? Stop. (laughs) Give me your real answer. I'm trying to not metagame Yeah, I was going to say, don't metagame this. Sorry. I I thought that it was when you need more oxygen in your body. So, like, when are those times? I don't know. When do you normally yawn? I mean, in the morning, a lot. Okay, when you wake up. I feel like I yawn throughout the day. Sometimes throughout the day. 
Those were both real yawns. Um, I bet people are going to yawn during this. I yeah. I hope so. That's that one was legitimate. Um. Anyway, in the morning and at night, I would say. Mm, Because that's when you need more oxygen. I'm guessing. (laughs) You look so. (laughs) Hey, man. Uh. So, <laughs> does yawning... What? Kevin lost his place because he was no. too busy being a character. Yeah, I was, I was in character. Uh, All right, go ahead. Does yawning have to do with oxygen? Well, let's think about it. If you need more oxygen... What are times yet you need more oxygen? That you want to... Yeah, you want to have more oxygen. Um, when you're exercising. Yeah. So, think about this. You go sprinting... Out our door, run around the block. Unlikely. Come back. <laughs> what are you going to do to get more oxygen? Breathe more. Interesting. And harder. Do you start yawning uncontrollably after running? No. <gasps> Wait, Wait a, a minute. minute. This is a m- 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 misconception. Well, you're walking. Nope, down. nope. Um, Different segment. <laughs> So it's a misconception that you yawn to get more oxygen. Ooh. Ooh. I thought I I've been double duped. Double duped because That's classic double dupe. I thought it was I thought the misconception was that you yawn because you're tired, mm. but that the true thing was that you yawn to get more oxygen. Oh you've been double duped. Double duped. All right. So tell me about it. So a study in 1987 showed that participants in high oxygen and low oxygen settings did not have different rates of yawning. You're yawning right now. (laughs) Uh, Nor did different rates of exercise. Okay. So right off the bat, that's not it. So welcome to the segment on why we yawn. And it's not because you need more oxygen. Ooh. Why? The citations this week are a 2013 paper from Frontiers in Neuroscience. Neuroscience. Um, There's also a link called Frontiers in for kids. That's Mm kind of cool. Frontiers in? Frontiers in. And it's like neuroscience. Frontiers in. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Medical. Yeah, yeah. There's a 2013 paper from the International Journal of Applied Medical Research. A 2017 paper from Physiology and Behavior. And a Scientific American article is where I got um, my sources. So, why do we yawn? Uh, there are two major theories. I knew this would cause you to yawn so much. <laughs> I hope so everyone much. is yawning at home just uncontrollably. <sighs> okay. The two biggest theories. and the So that, like I said, was in 1987 when they found that it wasn't because of oxygen, which was a popular theory for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that came the arousal theory, the idea that yawning stimulates your brain. Um, and if you think about it... When well, you, it's very stimulated right now. When you are just waking up, your brain is sort of being stimulated. Mm-hmm. You're alert. Mm-hmm. When you're going to sleep, you yawn maybe to try to like get yourself going again. But is that, was that just correlative? Well, so it's interesting, and we're going to get into that. Um, it might be a bit related to it. And then this other theory that is more recent is... You yawn to cool your brain down. Mm. <laughs> you can't get out of here. What is going on? You, I just can't. Okay. So the okay. first theory, this, the theory of arousal, mm-hmm. of being alert. Mm-hmm. Um, there are several studies in the 80s um, and ongoing that showed a lot of vertebrates. So, Margaret, what are vertebrates? They're animals with backbones. Yep. Are we a vertebrate? Yes. Are lizards? Yes. Fish? Yes. Koalas? Yes. Giraffes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were going to throw something I in know, there. I know. I, I wanted you to think that. Um, do tend to yawn uh, when their activity levels change. So this led to this idea that when your level of alertness changes is when you yawn. Okay. Um, so it, again, explains why you might yawn when you wake up or right before you go to bed. Your alertness levels are changing. Um, a 2007 study found <laughs> yawn uh, that... Vertebrates and fetuses older than 20 weeks yawn. So that sort of put to bed the idea that it's out of boredom. Mm. So it's not. Oh, did people think it was out of boredom? Well, people think I yawn when I'm bored. Like, oh, I guess so. But so I didn't think boredom was boring. like a biological thing that was yeah. like, oh, you're bored. Let's yeah. do something. Here. And, it, and it's not because generally fetuses at 20 weeks old aren't 
bored. <laughs> I mean, it sounds boring know. to me now to just mm-hmm. be sitting and doing nothing. But sure. um, so there's this idea there was alertness, but thinking like why? Why is the alertness changing? What why yawn though? Mm-hmm. Um so the other idea, brain cooling. Um this idea that your brain can overheat. And that there is some science, obviously there's science behind this. Your brain is one of the hottest organs in your body. Well, it, you can die if your brain gets overheated. And it is super dangerous mm-hmm. if your brain overheats. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you were thinking about that led, or you just remember that? Oh, I had listened to a podcast recently called Guru um, about this charlatan of a uh, inspirational leader who misused um sweat lodges like mm. did not use them properly and way overheated people and people died but their but their brains overheated yeah and that was the critical piece well it's a great thing to pull in and thanks for that because i didn't have that yep um clearly you want your brain to be at a regular temperature your brain already runs pretty hot mm-hmm. um, it is a very active organ and your brain needs to stay cool so yawning increases heart rate it increases blood pressure and it increases facial blood flow so the flow through your face that's interesting because i feel like i would have said that because yawning is usually associated with like sleepiness Mm -hmm. that it would lower my blood pressure and lower all those other things and yeah and i think we we think of it during those times Mm -hmm. however that doesn't necessarily mean it is in leading to you being more tired. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just happening when you feel that way. Yeah. Yawning does decrease blood temperature through heat exchange. Right. So what do right. you think? Can you sort of explain what you're thinking there, Margaret? Oh, I was just trying to think of a misconception I did recently about, um, oh, it was, <laughs> it was our after hours episode. Oh. Um, but basically about alcohol mm-hmm. and how, a lot of that is processed through your breath. That's why breathalyzers are measuring kind of the alcohol that's being released out of your lungs Mm -hmm. and out of your mouth. Yeah. Breathing is a great way to sort of regulate your temperature. Uh, If as you release air out that exchange, that heat exchanges with your own blood vessels in your mouth or in your nose Mm -hmm. and that air can come back in as a way to cool yourself down. Uh, so the idea here is you don't want your brain to overheat. It's a very important organ, and it very su- is very um, sensitive to subtle changes, particularly getting too hot, because um, mm-hmm. that can be fatal. Mm-hmm. So let's think about being outside. What are places that your brain is very, might be a little worried about getting overheated? When you're outside? Mm-hmm. Like indirect sunlight in the in the summer. In the summer, mm-hmm. there are studies have shown that in the summer you are less likely to yawn if this if summertime for you where you live is somewhere particularly hot. You're less likely to yawn, but I thought yawning was supposed to help cool you down. It is supposed to help cool you down. But think about this. If you breathe in air from somewhere very hot, what are you bringing into your body? Hot air. So you're around. Oh, so you don't want to increase the. mm, Right. If you're mm. like, well, you're talking like Phoenix, Arizona, United States Mm -hmm. in summer, you're talking 110 plus degree. You don't want any more. You don't want any more of that hot air inside your body. And I think at the sweat lodge, like. You aren't able to regulate your temperature. Mm-hmm. You're just hot. You're in somewhere that is even hotter. Just, yeah. just to reiterate, it was a, it was not a true swell lodge. He had, he had done a very bad job of putting it together. Sure, anyway. but I'm, I would imagine yeah. it was hot. Very, yes, hundred thousand um, percent. Mm-hmm. A 2014 study found that Arizonans in the winter tend to yawn more, and oh. people in Vienna, Austria, in the summer yawned more. Hmm. So that sort of put a little interesting idea into it, which is stop yawning. I can't. I can't. <laughs> which is why was it different seasons? Because mm-hmm. we think what I just said makes me think that when it's too hot, you're not you going to yawn as much. To... You don't want to overheat. Mm-hmm. 
the key to this is that different parts of the world, which won't surprise anyone, are hot at different times. <laughs> and how I don't hot think they that's get a misconception. Di- uh, differs. Mm-hmm. The key, though, is that there is an optimal range when you yawn the most. You will yawn the most when it is not too hot outside. Mm-hmm. You will also yawn. You will also. You won't yawn as much either if it's too cold. There is an optimal time where you want to bring in air that is colder than your body, but not so cold that it is dangerous or so hot that it is dangerous. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously, hypothermia is a thing. Your body can get too cold. Yeah. Yes. And your brain can get too cold. <laughs> your brain can get too mm-hmm. cold. So there is a, and they did this research, there's this optimal zone slightly below the average human body temperature where you will yawn the most. So like, what, like 92 degrees Fahrenheit? Um, I couldn't find an exact number. Okay. And part of that is yawning is not exactly a, a, you know, a medical breakthrough sort of uh, area of research. Mm -hmm. Yawning isn't currently perceived as this thing that's going to help a lot of people out or to put a lot of money. Studies are limited. Uh, Studies are limited. Um, That's not what your uh, paper is about. They might get published. It's not about yawning. (laughs) Uh, Although there's, if you want to do some studies, apparently there's not a lot. Um, Inside your body, a 2017 study found that people with fevers tended to yawn more. To cool their brains off. To cool their brains off. Mm. Um, They also report, those folks who yawned more also reported feeling less sick. Interesting. It's a self-reporting, but yeah, sure. Um, probably because they're maybe not overheating. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other evidence that, well, I'll throw it to you as a question based off this theory: breathing through your mouth versus breathing through your nose. Which type of person is more likely to yawn? I feel like mouth breathers are more likely to yawn. Mouth breathers are more likely to yawn. How mm. did you arrive to that idea, Margaret? Um, wait, you said, what was the hint? You said that. Well, what's the idea? You yawn to do what? To cool your brain down, to regulate, basically to regulate your brain temperature. Not right. necessarily, it doesn't sound like it's necessarily to cool it down. It but, might be to. Yeah, but usually, most warmer? likely it's going to get overheated. Okay. Like it okay. is more common for it to overheat. I but, feel like mouth yes. breathers, mm-hmm. mouth breathing people. <laughs> it sounds like I, a dragon. Of one I am. Yes. Of one, of one is. we are the mighty people. <laughs> um, I f- feel like if you breathe with your mouth a lot more than you breathe through your nose, then you're already kind of conditioned to do that anyway. A little bit. Uh, what part of your body is closer to your brain? Your nose. Yeah. So there's also, you're getting cooler air to your brain. Uh, those blood vessels mm. are closer to your brain. You're literally getting cooler air just slightly more efficiently up there. Wait, you're telling me that people breathe through their nose as well? Then why don't they wear masks over their noses? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I was I'm looking confused. at you. Oh, my gosh. No, I we're thought, not going down this. Okay. We're not doing this. <laughs> wear a mask over your nose and your mouth. The only orifice I should see on a person is your ears and your eyeballs. Yep. Nothing else. Quote Margaret on that. Cover those nostrils. Anyway, sorry. That was um, my own personal tangent. That's interesting, though, that like I breathe with my nose a lot. I, I don't breathe through my mouth. Sure. Um, and so I'm already kind of cooling my brain down without needing to yawn because my nose is a little bit closer to my brain. Brag. Thank you. Um, also, another really fun one that I found in all of this. What happens when you yawn to your eyeballs? They get watery sometimes. They get watery. Mm-hmm. Why do you sweat? To cool yourself down. Oh, your, interesting. Your eyes are literally releasing some water as a bit of sweat to cool your head down. Oh, Isn't that interesting? That's really interesting. So this led to this idea of, okay, I started with, are there two, there's two theories. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens a lot in biology is we have these two, we have competing theories. And this is what is great about science. When we say theories, we don't mean a, like a, a little hunch. guess. Oh, like like ooh, a hunch or a like, wonder. Yeah. Hmm, a wonderment. Um, they're, but they're usually, they all have some scientific basis. They're all trying to explain why something is happening. Mm-hmm. It's not describing exactly what's going on always, but why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Often it's not that it's one or the other is correct. It's just sometimes we don't realize how they're connected. Cooling your brain allows your brain to do its job. One thing your brain does is keep you alert. Yep. And so it's not so much that they are different theories. A lot of these theories are starting to come together now, which is the root cause here of your yawning to cool your brain to keep so you, that you can be more alert. So that you can be more alert. Mm-hmm. It's not one or the other. Okay. Um, which is cool. Yeah. Now, before I end this segment, what do people often think of when we think of yawning? At least, what are people interested by with yawning? Are you going to say the thing that I'm thinking about? I don't know. Don't game this. (laughs) That it's a show of empathy. Like people, Mm -hmm. like that that yawns are contagious between people, between animals. So I started my research today to find out if that was true. Is it true? It is true. Yawning is contagious. And so I almost didn't do this misconception. But then I learned it wasn't because of... I held the misconception that it was because of oxygen. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. because of cooling your brain. Yeah. Um, But the contagious part is there. However, some interesting things about whether yawns are contagious. They are not contagious in children under three years old. They are not exactly sure what's going on because a lot of it has to do with brain development. Okay. But it's probably something neurologically is not like turned on yet they're not yeah they're not doing empathetic yawning a 2011 study showed that there's a increased likelihood that you will yawn based on your relationship with someone if Mm. you see them yawn Hmm. so uh participants almost said contestants (laughs) science would be so you know what let me get on a pedestal hold on science would be so much more cool and fun If we called every participant a contestant. So there were 34 contestants in this study. My study had 35 (laughs) contestants. N equals 35 contestants. (laughs) Science, if you're listening, call me. So (laughs) if you see a family member yawn, Mm -hmm. they were more likely to empathetically yawn Mm. or mirror yawn Mm -hmm. than if you saw a stranger yawn. Interesting. Um, So that's interesting. And there is... Suggestion that in uh, two studies I saw that folks with schizophrenia and autism and some other neurological um, conditions Mm -hmm. do yawn less when they see people or are less likely to yawn if Mm -hmm. they see someone else yawning Mm -hmm. or even laughing. Mm -hmm. So there is something going on with that. There are other brain neurological conditions that don't do that. So I also want to be cautious to the fact that it is not true that if you have some like if you've had head trauma or something that you're just not going to have this empathetic response it is only in certain conditions because not all conditions affect the brain in the right place Mm -hmm. where you have these neurons that allow you to sort of mirror what you're seeing someone else that's that is also what i think about with yawning because i i haven't i was thinking about doing this if it is a misconception and it sounds like it kind of is because there's a lot of crime shows well, the, where they will say, you know, I think it was maybe Bones where they had an episode, but um, they yawned mm-hmm. around a suspected like serial killer. Um, yeah, that's and, a popular trope. And then the, that person didn't yawn. And they're like, we've got him. We've got him. Which, as you're saying, like, there are many reasons someone might not yawn. Yeah. Um, well, and it's an unfair stigma. It because- is. People with schizophrenia does obviously not equate to you mm-hmm. being a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you another, which you we've just talked about. If it has to do with body temperature, mm-hmm. there's a great reason someone may not yawn. Their brain's fine. Their brain is feeling fine. Temperature-wise, in, yeah. In fact, there's a cool hack to not contagiously yawning. Go ahead. What? Why do you yawn again? <laughs> to cool your brain down. To cool your brain down. A 2007 study found that folks with ice packs on their forehead <laughs> did not yawn. report contagious yawning as often as those without ice packs. Huh. So the next time you want to test it out, have a real fun socially distant party with some people, mm-hmm. get in a circle, mm-hmm. give some people some ice packs, mm-hmm. start yawning and mm-hmm. see what happens. Don't forget to record your data. Interesting. That was really good, Camden. I got double duped. I can't believe it. Classic double dupe. Uh, All right. Well, (sighs) 
stop. I've, I really have yawned. I should have tallied like 10 times during that. Yeah, I didn't yawn at all during that. I don't know if that means. You're still yawning. One more. Okay. Um, I'm just so empathetic. I'm just so just empathetic. So, mm, we have my, such a good, close my relationship. My just so hot. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. So, um, as someone who works at an aquarium, such as myself, this is a misconception I hear pretty often that I'm going to be talking about today. Um, people will look at the animals in our exhibits and say like, oh, they're going to get really big since that tank is really big, right? Oh, yeah. And so we're going to talk about the misconception that goldfish and fish in general grow to the size of their tank. Oh. Because it's one I hear about a lot. And I didn't know if it was a misconception or not about goldfish. Um, I knew from experience that non-goldfish don't grow to the size of their tank or their enclosure. More about that in a second. But what about goldfish themselves is what I was curious to know. So my sources are um, National Geographic article by Carrie Arnold, a BBC Earth article by Jason Goldman, a a Cosmos magazine article by Phil Ritchie, a Science Insider video, and Live Science. Did you have a goldfish when you were growing up, Kimmon? Did you have any fish? I don't think you did. I did never you? had a fish. Okay. I had a frog. You had a frog. You that was a that and was gerbils. A, you had a lot of gerbils. They did not grow to the size of a container. No, they did Thank not. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, so no fish. No uh, fish. My sister had a couple of fish, but I don't know if she had any goldfish. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't she even had a remember fish. wanting a fish either. Yeah. She, hug, a, hug a fish. She was a fish. Yeah, you shouldn't hug a fish. You shouldn't hug a fish. So goldfish. Neither of us had them, but they are a common pet. Um, I learned that they are a domesticated carp. That makes sense. Goldfish are domesticated they look like animals. Yeah. So they are in the carp family. Um, about two thousand years ago is when Prussian carp started to become domesticated. And I believe it was initially for meat. And oh. I know. And I, well, I was reading that then for, they would I, save the carp that were really orange or really red. And so they were already kind of creating and put them in ponds. So they were creating. Oh, because they were pretty. Yeah, because they were pretty. So they saved them. Um, but goldfish are members of the carp family. Like I said, they're often confused with their bigger cousins, the carp. But you can tell because if they've got whiskers, also called barbels, on their faces. Barbels. Barbel. Barbel. Then they're not really goldfish. Whis- no whiskers, goldfish. Whiskers. Carp. Carp. Pre- most likely a carp. If it looks like a goldfish, most likely it's carp. Also, I think Pokemon taught us that. Are you carp, looking this up? Carp and goldfish are slightly related because Goldine was a goldfish with a little unicorn hat. Wait, or how do you spell that? Let me look this up. Goldine? Goldine. Had a little unicorn uh, thing on its head. Let's see. Um, oh, yeah, it does have a unicorn thing on its head. What's the carp one? Uh, well, where's the... Magikarp? Yeah, Magikarp. Well, yeah, it has barbels. Magikarp has barbels. So they did it right? Yeah. Pokemon so. can teach you a lot about animal kingdoms. Yes. Oh, there's one called Polywog? Listeners, Marvin. Never played Pokemon. I didn't. Up. That's such a cute name. All right. There's thousands of them I can show you. I know. I know. No, that'll I did not a, play. Well, maybe that'll be a behind the scenes episode where, where we explore Pokemon. We, Pokemon and how comparing they're... them to. <gasps> that's a great idea. Will you write that down? This is We're this is behind this. the curtain. Are we gonna cut this? No, we, we can can't keep tell it. the people about. Yeah, this. we can. That's a little teaser. <gasps> All right. God, you've been teased. <laughs> so, back to goldfish. Real, real goldfish. Um, <laughs> they are related to carp. If they've got barbels, they're still a carp. I kept being confused because as I did this research, some sources would say, oh, they, when they're found in the wild, they get this big, but they're not naturally found in the wild. So we'll get to that in a second too. But you might've heard stories of huge goldfish, um, like 30 pound goldfish, but most likely those are carp that people are catching that look like goldfish so they don't get 30 pounds um yeah so 
goldfish, I guess, are technically found in the wild, but they are invasive species. They, um, cause they're not from here. They're not from they're They're domesticated. They're not from the wild anymore. They're when they're found in lakes and ponds, they were probably put there by humans. Why do you think you'd find a, why do you think that you'd find a goldfish in a pond? Cam, and oh, what happened? Boy, there? Probably because we find a bunch of bunnies running around the forest. People thought it'd be a cute pet. Same. And then they were like, ugh. no yuck. thanks. Yeah. Throw it in the pond. Yeah. Not the bunny, the goldfish. Uh, yes. In Washington, we have a lot of, at least in Seattle, a lot of rabbits in parks that were released by people who didn't want them as pets anymore. So please don't release your pets into the wild, whether they are rabbits or goldfish or whatever you have. Because goldfish, they are now invasive um, and they pose a lot of problems, like they eat the food that other animals in their environment are trying to eat. Um, they eat a lot of aquatic plants that they, they throw off the whole balance of the ecosystem. So they also have been found to eat the eggs of other animals like salamanders. So they really do impact <laughs> that at every level. So Yikes. again, please don't release them into the wild, but back to the myth, the myth that goldfish only grow to the size of their tank or that they will grow to the size of their tank may have started because, um, if a fish is not being cared for well, it is not growing. So we'll get into that. Right. That follows for a lot yeah, of things. For a lot of things. So why isn't it true for goldfish? Well, for background, most fish are called intermediate growers. So they continue to grow at least a little bit throughout their lives in many cases. Although there is a tapering point. So for example, there... So humans are... Are they an intermediate grower? No, we, we reach our full size, like... We don't, we don't continue growing past a certain... Oh, they keep growing. They, they keep growing at least a little bit. A lot of fish are intermediate growers mm. anyway. Um, and the size at which that tapering happens is influenced by things like their age, their genetics, the species of the goldfish. But not tank size. But not really tank size, no. So fish are sensitive to their environments, as any aquarist can tell you. And they get stressed really easily. They're they're sensitive to changes. So you mean someone who is an aquarium worker, yes. not the astrological sign. Yes, Aquarist, not Aquarius. Yes. Good point. Good point. So what do you think might stress a fish out, Camden? This election cycle, I'm telling you. Right, what. right, right, right. Uh what else? <laughs> I hope so. I hope a dad's laughing somewhere. <laughs> um not enough food, mm -hmm. too hot. Mm -hmm. Too cold. Mm -hmm. Um, the light. Yeah. Um, like poking the the fishbowl yeah. just over and over. Mm -hmm. I'm running out of things. Yeah. No, you're right. You like pH levels. Not the right kind of food. Too much or too little food. Pollutants in the water. Um, an overcrowded environment that they're living in, mm -hmm. or changes to the temperature. Like you said, too hot, too cold. So if your fish, if your goldfish isn't growing, it is not because of the size of the tank, although that could be a problem with when combined with other factors. So let's get, dig into this. If the fish is stressed by any number of those things, let's say that it's too, hot. Uh, too hot, that's when homeostasis happens. Oh. Can you explain what that means, Camden? Well, we were just talking about it with yawning. Mm-hmm. Uh, homeostasis is this idea of keeping the processes and levels of things inside you the same. Mm -hmm. It's self-regulation. Yeah, exactly. So if the fish is stressed out, they want to try to counterbalance mm -hmm. that stress or whatever is going on so that that leads to the fish's internal systems changing. So, for example, the fish's growth hormones are affected by this stress and this mm. trying to achieve homeostasis will impact things like their metabolism, the growth of their bones and their tissues and the functioning of their immune system. So if you have a fish like a goldfish in a small space and the fish stays small, it's likely stressed out by other factors and is trying to survive by slowing its growth down. Um, common goldfish, which the, the name is Carasius auratus can, I believe automatically, also secrete pheromones in their waste that would limit the growth of other rivals if they're around other rivals. 
Gotcha. Kind of like orangutans, the pheromones. Oh, the, right. The, yep, the big yep, yep. phalange male sends out yep. somehow, which is and when they die, wild. that those hormones aren't around. Aren't around. So then, other another male is starts to develop those um, characteristics. So it's it's a lot like like a lot like that for a common goldfish. Well, it's interesting too because I mean, stress has been shown in humans mm-hmm. to play a huge role in the development of children and adults, and mm-hmm. leads to a whole wide variety of issues going on. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So say that you're a goldfish. Uh, duh, done. And you're in a little, you're in a little like uh, bowl. Great. No, no, thanks. Um, and you automatically are secreting these pheromones that say, "Hey, other males, don't you grow big? I'm growing big." Yep. But you're the only one in there, and your water isn't getting changed very much. What's going to happen? Oh no. It's like when I yell in the mirror and then I get sad because it looks like I yelled at myself. Sure. Yeah. So that one male goldfish is going to reabsorb all those hormones that say, don't grow, don't grow. So go ahead. Oh, corn does that too. You can't get corn too close to it. Oh, really? Yeah. It releases signals through the soil. Yeah. So other fish have these pheromones as well, but they're very potent in goldfish. So along with the homeostasis as a response to stressor, these pheromones can result in a fish with stunted growth. Basically, mm. if that water is not getting changed enough and the, the balance is not right, that fish will not grow. It's not really because of the size of the tank. Fish have thrived in small tanks when they've been attended to so correctly. The thinking, though, could be if you are not taking care of your tank, it mm-hmm. is even it will be more dangerous faster in a smaller tank. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. So it's a misconception that goldfish will only grow to the size of their tank because it's not as though they're happy at that size. Yep. Um, if they grew any bigger and they're not being cared for, they, they basically couldn't. They'd likely die. Mm-hmm. Um, another problem for goldfish and all fish in um, tanks, especially in people's homes. Smoking. Um, no, is the accumulation of toxins in fish poop. Oh, yeah. Because goldfish poop, fish poop in general, contains poop. things like, can you think of like the one thing that you always hear about? Nitrogen. Nitrogen, also. Phosphorus. Ammonia. Oh. That you hear a lot about. Which has a lot of nitrogen in it. Yeah, yeah. So ammonia, as we know, that can hurt people's brains pretty badly in a, yeah. a buildup of ammonia. And it can also, oh, I don't like this phrase, but it can burn the gills of the fish because ammonia is corrosive right um so not only should you not pee on your leg you should not don't pee in your goldfish goldfish bowl bowl for so many reasons um heard it here first right so in ponds and lakes fish poop toxins are broken down by bacteria things like that but in a in a home tank there isn't any of that um so another good reason to really take good care of your animals that you have with proper care. I was reading that goldfish can live as long as cats do, Whoa! but we hear about like, Oh yeah, my goldfish only lasted a year. Oh yeah. Oh, my goldfish sad. only lasted People a couple months. People just think it's, that's like, not their oh, lifespan. They can last, a, they can live a very long time. Not, I mean like 12 years or so they yeah, can also get up to time. a foot long, according to live science. Um, okay. if they have the space, but again, on the other side of that, if you have a goldfish tank that's like 120,000 gallons for one adult goldfish, they're not going to be a 2,000-pound goldfish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Thank goodness. Thank goodness. It, it doesn't go the other way either. Um, but they can get pretty big. So one record-holding goldfish was Goldie. Come on, oh, y'all. God. Come on. Get I creative. to be like Bubba. I know. Um, she was a pet goldfish who was 15 inches long and weighed two pounds. So for goldfish, that's pretty big. Okay. She, leave, she lived for at least 15 years, and she grew to that size despite having a smaller tank, which suggests that, again, good care mm-hmm. is the key to a larger size, but give her a bigger home anyway. She deserves it. She's a come record home. She's famous. She's famous, honey. No, come on. Give her what she deserves. Um, and usually you hear the misconception about goldfish, but the same things are true of other fish as well. Um, you need to take good care of them. And then for the, the bigger sizes, when you're thinking about 
whether other fish besides goldfish grow to be the size of their tank, I thought about the ocean, about the lakes. Technically, those are the biggest, like, quote unquote, tanks in the world. And these still, these animals still are not growing past certain sizes. For example, a cigar shark, which is called that because it grows to the size of a cigar, the smallest shark, I believe, in the world. No matter how long it lives, it's never going to be the size of a great white. Yeah. And its tank is the ocean. And its tank is the ocean. A salmon is never going to grow to be the size of a blue whale. Different fish species grow to be different sizes. Why Why do you think that might be, Camden? Why are animals different sizes? Why are animals different sizes? Evolution. Broadly. Evolution. Yeah. They, they need to fill a certain niche. They need to... Mm like physically fit in their environment. Um, so how can you take care of your goldfish or fish the best and make sure they reach their proper size and age? Again, I don't own a goldfish. I don't own a fish, but do your research. Be really diligent about their water temperature, about the water quality, pay close attention to their diet, ask experts, um, about how to best take care of them. I learned um, this is kind of getting into the nitty gritty, but don't buy a fish and a tank on the same day because there's water preparation you yeah, need first. Yeah. You can also grow bacteria in your tank that will help take care of that nitrogen and that those pheromones. Um, make sure that your tank is big enough. A single adult goldfish, even by his or herself, needs a big tank. Science Insider recommends at least 10 gallons of water per adult goldfish. And they also recommend replacing 30% of the water every two weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So again, I'm sure it, it varies by the species of goldfish that you have. Um, but do your research. Know what's good for your fish. Pay attention to them. Make sure that you know um, what they need. So in conclusion, if your goldfish isn't growing, it may be because of inadequate care not the size of the tank that she's in. So do your research and take good care of all your pets. Well, thanks, Margaret. Yeah, you're welcome. Take good care of your pets, everybody. So our last segment of every episode is where we share something that we've been reading, listening to, watching, or otherwise consuming. Margaret, what have you been consuming this week? So I have been consuming this week and for the past couple of weeks um, a wonderful book by Angela Davis called Are Prisons Obsolete? And it really has been eye-opening to the history of the prison system in America, why it developed. Um, it is a real look at the way that we treat people who are incarcerated and how people end up in that situation and what we can do differently in the future um, because really it seems like the answers, the answer to our prisons obsolete by Angela Davis is yes, at least the way that they operate right now. So I would really encourage people check that out. Um, each chapter is, has been really enlightening. So I'm enjoying, in, I'm, I'm learning a lot from reading it. And that book again was? Our Prisons Obsolete by Angela Davis. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Kim, what have you been consuming? I... Listened, crash listened to all 12 episodes mm -hmm. of An Oral History of the Office. Oh, you finished it? I finished it. Uh, it's a podcast on Spot, <laughs> original Spotify. It's hosted by Brian Baumgartner, who is Kevin on The Office. I listened to it because I enjoy, well, A, I enjoyed The Office when it was on. And now. Um, I enjoy it a lot <laughs> now. It explores the phenomenon of why it is the most streamed and downloaded TV show still today, mm -hmm. why it's still popular in generations of, you know, young, young teenagers, 13, 14 year olds who still like it when it, when they've never worked in an they office, before. never worked in an office. They were born before it debuted mm -hmm. or after it debuted. Mm -hmm. like, why is this a phenomenon? Mm -hmm. They interview all of the cast and crew and the writers and they, they go from how it was conceived, um, starting on the British original version. Um, to today, they interview Billie Eilish, who has um, their song. Uh, what's the title of her oh, album? I'll look it up. I always forget what it's called. Uh, keep going. Yeah. I'll find it. So, but they interview her about it. Um, it's super interesting. They talks a lot about just how people find it really familiar. Um, and that's 
really comforting to people right now mm-hmm. in a world that doesn't feel very stable. Yes. And so I, that, that it felt really nice to hear and it's really well done. It's scripted. It's very interesting if you watched The Office um, or just want like a behind the scenes view of how it sort of came to be and all the sort of trials and tribulations I probably a lot of shows go through. Mm-hmm. It's not just because they're on air doesn't always mean it's smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a good listen. They're each, they're like 30 minutes oral history of office. That song is called My Strange Addiction. My Strange Addiction. They sample from um, Threat Level Midnight. Threat Level Midnight, mm-hmm. yep. So good. So thank you so much for listening today. If you liked this episode or any others, please rate us and leave us a quick review. Written reviews help new listeners decide if they want to give this podcast a try. So help us out and new listeners by leaving us a quick, positive five-star review. You can find more content from us on our social media pages. We haven't mentioned them before, but many of you do follow us. We appreciate that. Um, Instagram, it's at don't pee on your leg. On Twitter, it's don't pee on your leg, but the P is just the letter P. And then on Facebook, facebook.com slash don't pee on your leg. Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions is a podcast produced by Two Birds, One Scone. Articles, blog posts, and more about what you can do every day to conserve our environment can be found at www.twobirdsonescone.org. Our original theme music is by Camillo. If you have scientific misconceptions that you would like explained or want per- to provide some feedback to us, please email us at don'tpeeonyourleg at gmail.com. We also want to remind everyone that there is still time to register to vote, but those deadlines are fast approaching. Many voter registration deadlines are in early October. You can find more information at vote.gov, and the blog 538 is keeping an updated guide on how to vote in your state, how to vote early, and how to request mail-in or absentee ballots. Check your registration now, even if you're 100,000% sure that you registered, and please, please, please please vote. vote. Have Have a a great great week. week.